Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually with podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff. You can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com or the Access More app. But he'll work it to his good. And I know that, Todd, through your Bible study and the guys that you introduced me to, there have been several men that are asking why. And I think that's the hardest part when there were no answers. And that's where you have no choice but to lean on God when he says, I am enough. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. And these are hard lessons, but if you see these lessons through the eye of faith, you will know that God has your eternal good in mind. Fitness and wellness expert, naturopath, and adventure enthusiast, Wendy Peck. And my husband, Todd Isburner. He's a fundraising guru, men's mentor, and Bible scholar. And as a couple, we're going to share riveting breakthrough stories from our guests who've experienced the meaning of a changed life. Our hope is that you will be inspired, equipped, and entertained along your own life journey. So lean in, listen well. This could be your biggest breakthrough. And welcome to your biggest breakthrough podcast. I'm Wendy Pett. I'm Todd Isburner. And uh, Wendy, Wendy, Wendy. What? Well, you know, you have a real passion for people. You just do, and especially women. Yes. To become visibly fit. By the way, that's the name of our company. Oh, this is an yeah, info visibly, commercial. Not okay. an infomercial, no. <laughs> but you, you have this passion for women to become yes. visibly fit in mind, in body, and in spirit. A real holistic approach. Sure. And so let's just say this. As we move into wonderful 2021... All of a sudden, your your business, for a variety of reasons, just, I mean, it just like skyrockets, like exponentially multiplies. And all of a sudden, you have millions of dollars pouring in. I mean, like millions. What? Like I don't How? right now, you no, mean? No, wait a minute. Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> Not, it's, all right, that's good. You foresee it. That's good. Uh, but just let me ask you a question. How would that change your life? Well, it would be pretty awesome. I mean, I think about what first I would do. I would... Uh, I would give gratitude to God first and foremost, yes. but I always think the more money I have, the mm-hmm. more I can give. Like that gets me excited. Yeah. Like I love money because of what it can do. Yeah. And so, okay, and then I go shopping. Wait a minute. Probably a little <laughs> bit. Yeah. So, but here's something. What, what if the unexpected happened? Like uh, what if you were faced with temptations that you've never experienced before because you've not been in that same place? Mm. Or what if people start coming out of the woodwork and they want to borrow money from you or, or, or expect you just give it to them? Or, and this would happen, what if every charity on the planet was banging on your door, you know, asking for a handout? Well, I think I'd have to keep perspective on all that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I think I admit that it would be a little hard because of all the years I've worked yeah. for that money, you know, it's like, yeah. okay, how, how do you divvy it up and mm-hmm. how does it make sense? And it's not ours, right? It's really God's money anyway. So yeah. keep in perspective. Well, there it. would be, there'd be overwhelm undoubtedly mm-hmm. uh, emotionally in all other kinds of ways, because this is something that you haven't experienced at that level. And that temptation and could be like a whole nother level of shopping. Maybe I, <laughs> I'm that, just that could be, but I think I, think I need most, to go shopping. <laughs> you got shopping in your mind. It's wow. All right. So here's the reality. Um, you have to gain a perspective yeah. so that you can make you know, really good decisions, you know, God-pleasing decisions with your money. And in the midst of all of that, how do you make certain that you keep your whole 
soul intact. Yeah, right? well, for sure. I mean, Jesus says, what good would it be if you gain the whole world yeah. and lose your soul? Mm. Is anything more worth more than your soul? And absolutely yeah, not. Absolutely, absolutely not. And here's what's cool. Our guest today is going to help us understand that better because of his own experience. Paul Wessel has been there, done that, and we're going to hear all about it. Uh, he's got fascinating stories to tell us, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the redeemable. Paul, our friend, uh, welcome to your biggest breakthrough. There he is. Hey, Paul. Hey. Hi, guys. I've known Paul for quite a few years. We've we lost touch for quite a few years. In fact, during those years where you really experience all kinds of incredible changes and challenges and turmoil in your life. Um, but let me, can I just take a moment here, just give give a little perspective on who you are, because you would be sure. terrible to talk about this. <laughs> Paul, sure. Paul is, a, he's an innovator, he's an inventor, and he's an entrepreneur. And he's had several successful businesses in developing uh, health-related products. Um, I know I'm not saying this right, but they're really, they're medical device companies. And he's he has, along with that, received numerous awards and accolades for his incredible work in those industries. He's changed a lot of lives and helped oh a goodness. lot of people uh, live, live, live well. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if I were to it's be true. so blunt about it, yeah. I mean, I know you're so humble yeah. to think of it any Thanks. other way, but um, we're grateful. And when you know, and I'm, I love the fact, Paul, that like you've got several patents pending. Like you're not done yet. You just you just keep cranking things out. <laughs> But let's yeah. let's go back. ADD can be a blessing, Todd. <laughs> That's the first I've ever uh, heard of that. I love that. See, I do too. ADD I, you, is you, a blessing. You can see good in that, absolutely. <laughs> so, Paul, let's uh, let's just maybe take a quick back trip to the early stages of how this stuff developed. You, um, I want you to tell your story because it's not like you decided one day, hey, I think I'm going to invent a bunch of cool things and go and on make, Shark Tank and make millions of dollars. <laughs> As I know you, that's right. never been your motivation. So, how did everything start in this whole, in this whole health industry and developing these medical devices? What happened? Well, obviously, this is after you were driving a motorcycle and had long hair. <laughs> See, I told you we went back a ways. Yes, and you were like the teenage god of the neighborhood, where, where everybody would watch Todd and Brad Isver and go down the road and go, "Gal, someday I want to grow up and be like those guys." Oh. I'm so sorry. We should have never modeled that for you. All no, 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 no. Actually, I'm looking at an at a uh, used Triumph Bonneville right now, Todd. That's been <laughs> rebuilt because that's what Brad had. He, I'm sorry, Brad was cooler than you, but that's okay. <laughs> that's true. Um, He's, he still is. That's you know, I, I think with any journey, um, in hindsight, because hindsight is 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 you know is the accurate uh, perspective on things. If you don't have the passion and emotion and the fire to to go into this game and into this journey, when things are tough, that's really the only thing that will get you through. And having a relationship with Jesus Christ, and, and I can tell you that came in so many ways and so many, through so many different people that you never would have thought of. But to start this old journey, I, I, I've got to venture back to Todd's in my hometown of New Ulm, where um, a little German town. It was at my sister's wedding, where my youngest son Alex suffered a, what they call a SIDS near miss, which means he actually stopped breathing and was without oxygen for about seven minutes. And we were returning to our house on South Highland, which is right across the street from where Todd grew up, 
And I walked into the bedroom and I found Alex lifeless, mm. breath, blood coming from his nose and mouth. Mm. And I just grabbed him. And, you know, it's supposed to be this happy, joyous occasion because it's my youngest sister's wedding. And I'll never forget as I was rushing out of the, the house with Alex in my arms, I saw Ted, Todd's father across the street and he was wondering what was going on. And so that began an incredible journey of Alex being taken to the local hospital and then being shuttled up to St. Paul's Children's Hospital where he flatlined 27 times in nine days. Oh and we never, we didn't know the extent of his brain damage. He was only a three month old baby. Mm. So as you're going through this whole tornado and, and then as we're up there for the seven days, the three other children came down sick with the flu and my mom and dad were watching them right after my, I mean, it was just crazy, yeah. you know, and, and still in that, in, in this highly stressful, scary time, we had strangers, nurses come up and pray the Lord's prayer with us. Mm. And Alex became kind of this, this hope that people hung on to in the ICU because Alex was one of the only kids in that critical of state that made it through. Mm. Now that's, that's kind of the foreshadowing of all of this because six months later, my, our five-year-old Luke was diagnosed with type one diabetes. Mm. Mm. And this is highly emotional because you're, you're, you're not over the, 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 the near death experience of one child. And all of a sudden you get thrown into another one. Yeah. Let's just pause. Um, for a minute. Just pa Can you hear me, Paul? Just pause for a minute yeah. because they, because I really want us to take that in. Uh, you were still processing what happened with your three month old Alex and seeing the recovery process and wondering what does the future hold for him? And then you're blindsided with the Correct. knowledge that your five-year-old has got type 1 diabetes, and anybody who knows anything about type 1 diabetes, this is tough enough for an adult to manage, much, much less a child. child. Mm -hmm. And right. I, I, So how were you processing that at the time? Where was your thinking? You know, so much of it, Todd, was just on sure adrenaline at that point because the initial diagnosis of Alex's accident um, we, we were still living in Michigan at the time. The doctor, the neurologist, the pediatric neurologist in Michigan said, well, I believe that he has just epilepsy. Mm -hmm. And so as that was going on, I received an offer to become marketing director of a company in Minneapolis. And I decided to take that job. And so now we have Alex and and then we moved to Minnesota. And as we were driving back to Michigan, that's when I discovered that Luke had type one diabetes. It was over Easter vacation. And when we took him to the emergency room, his blood sugars were over 700. And you having a brother with type one, Todd, Brad, you know that 700 is, is pretty, uh, pretty dangerous stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so then we come back to Minnesota, and now we have two medical paths. We have Alex's, which what we think is epilepsy, and now we have Luke with type 1. Well, then Alex wasn't progressing as long, and so we took him to Dr. Ken Swayman, who was a pediatric neurology specialist at the U. So I've started a new job. I've moved my family 900 miles from Michigan to Minnesota. 
I'm home. My family is trying to acclimate. I'm traveling all over the world. And then we get the news 30 days after I start my job that Alex will never speak. He'll never walk. He'll never talk. And he will be in his wheelchair his whole life. And at that time, you know, so you, you compartmentalize that, you try to. And now you're dealing with all these issues of a young child where you have to pick his finger four and five times a day, where you have to give him insulin injections four and five times a day, where you have to carbohydrate count, all of this stuff. And, you know, it, it was quite a lot. So usually, you know, as I've talked to other entrepreneurs, there becomes an aha moment. And, um, you know, this aha moment is very personal to me because it would just happen one night that we were in our bedroom and I heard some crying outside in the hallway and it was Luke and Luke, he just asked me to give him so much insulin that he wouldn't wake up. Mm. And he's, he's five years old. At the time? Five years old at the time. Six, yeah. you know, maybe a year had gone by. <clears throat> he said, I hate this disease. I hate getting poked all the time. I hate getting all this insulin. Can you just make it all go away? Wow. And you can't. So with, with kids and diabetes, I mean, how can that not change you as a parent? Yeah. As a caring individual, I mean, even the most callous person would be touched by that, right? Yeah. So I noticed, and, and Todd, as you know, that testing your blood sugars, especially as a young person, is very, very important. Mm -hmm. And there and there weren't any um, blood glucose meters on the market designed specifically for kids. And so Luke soon found that he could play games with his adult glucose meter and start hiding it and telling me that he tested when he actually did not, you know, because it's associated with pain. Yeah. And so, and so um, as time went on, this game continued of hide and go seek the blood glucose meter. Wow. And then one day we were um, on uh, leaving on vacation and um, Luke wanted to bring his Game Boy along. And I let him back in the house because we had the house all buttoned up and everything. And there he ran to the living room, flipped up the middle seat cushion on the couch, and his Game Boy was underneath. And I said, wait a minute. If he knows to that level where his Game Boy was, what happens if I could combine the two technologies of integrating a blood glucose meter with a Game Boy? And that became yeah, – and that – and that was just really placed on my heart. And I know it sounds really, really kind of odd, but I got to tell you, it, it it just stuck with me so deeply and, and so, so deeply that, that it, it ate at me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had just moved, you know, a family here and everything. And so I knew enough about electronics and sensors from my, my, my main job at Banner Engineering that I started to poke and prod around. And so my travels with Banner Engineering took me to all the ends of the earth, including Japan. And so I went to Akihabara for those electronics people. It's, it's kind of like heaven for electronic geeks. It's blocks of just really cool one-off type of things. And I started assembling different things and lo and behold then. 
And I don't know if you want to um, take a break here. And I and I don't want this to be a, oh, God, this guy really got, you know. But at that time, um, and I believe that stress of all of these issues that we had to deal with resulted in my first marriage breaking apart. Mm. Real quick on that. Um, I mean, I, I can only, uh, I, I just I just am picturing you and your wife and your kids going through all this traumatic, just not moments, but years, right? Mm. And probably a lot of Correct. sleepless nights because you're probably having to wake him up to test his blood level, you know, you know, his insulin levels and all kinds of things. Right. So there's a lot of, uh, different factors that probably led to, um, you know, the, the marriage not working out and the stress and the, the guilt and you know, all the different emotions. Right. Well, and it, and it just wasn't, it just wasn't Luke not sleeping at night, Alex, because of his condition, his muscles were starting to atrophy. Oh. And so he would go into spasms, painful spasms, and we had to give him Thorazine and different things like that. And then during this whole time as well, my first wife had to have posterior and anterior spinal fusion. At the same time, Alex had to have hip subluxation surgery to literally carve his hip joints out to be able to be received into a wheelchair so that his hips would not result in long-term arthritis and things like that resulting in him being in a body cast for five months. And so I have a wife who has posterior and anterior spinal fusion who can't lift anything. We have two little children that can't sleep at night because of diabetes and because of seizures and different things like that. And there's only one person that can lift them up. And at that time, being the only single wage earner, trying to keep a job together, trying to keep a new career together, yeah. uh, trying to put up with a house in the suburbs and all of that stuff. And then the financial pressures that come with that about having personal care attendance and social services and all of that costs extra money as well. As um, a man, a man uh, desires to show up in uh, as a family <laughs> in, in that role as a provider, a protector, all those things. And so I'm sure just that level of stress, um, it, it just all spilled over on one another. And it was just uh, difficult, but you were just doing the very best that you could in that moment. Well, we've often heard how medical issues, especially in mm -hmm. families, can break marriages apart. There's just a level of stress and pressure that couples uh, have a very tough time managing. And in, what you've just described is like way over the top imaginable, unimaginable of, of what the two of you had to go through and what your children were going through at the same time. So, yeah, so take us to the, to the next chapter. Y your marriage is breaking apart. Um, mm -hmm. you're, you're passionate about putting together this strange but innovative idea of tying Game Boy and a glucose monitor together, yeah. Yeah. Which, which, again, is, uh, you know, so many, um, so many inventions are born out of need, right? Mm -hmm. uh, For sure. And yeah, you know the, the 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 percentage I've heard Todd repeatedly is it's it's in the ninety percentile that a family that has a child with disability ends up in divorce, wow. because you know a death does occur, and you're replaced with a child who you still love, but who every milestone he misses that you had expectations for. So there's chronic grieving 
that goes on all the time. And Alex has had multiple surgeries due to the atrophy in his legs and in his hands and injections of Botox and, and all of that. And, and that being said, you know, my first wife has done just an incredible, incredible job. One I couldn't do. Yeah. And my daughter helps out a lot as well. And so as that went on, then Todd, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't, I don't know cr chronologically um, because this gets into other areas and I don't want to get far off the rabbit trail here, but one of our neighbors in Plymouth, um, his brother um, happened to be the chief technology officer of St. Jude medical. And um, this guy, Dr. Mark Kroll, has been awarded more medical device patents, I believe, than anybody in the United States. I think at last count, it was well over 225. Yeah. Anyway, through one circumstance or another, um, I got introduced to Mark, and um, I just threw the idea by him. And Mark mentored me, and I actually wrote my first patent. And it wasn't it wasn't a patent just for a Game Boy. We expanded that out to be a handheld computing device. And then we did some intricacies through that. But again, it's just an amazing thing, Todd, because I was not a good student in school. Mm -hmm. And as I kind of tongue in cheek teased about ADD before, the last thing an ADD guy should really be doing is writing patents because they're so detail oriented. But I found this whatever that I really enjoyed doing that and I could maintain the focus and I actually wrote the first patent myself. I didn't have an attorney help me. Wow. You were uh, you were determined yeah. and stubborn and you had you had the motivating reason behind it all. You knew what you absolutely well, and you knew what you and your wife and, and your family have all been through, and you did not wish that upon other families and other children that were suffering and 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 having that uh, feeling of just make it all go away. You wanted it to be easier for the child, and so it came out of service. It came out of out of a of a mindset of I I want to do something good here. It's not about the money. It's not about let's go get rich and and create something. No, not no, at it all. It's like I want to help people. And that's really, um, the difference. Here yeah. Well, for, starting with his son, I mean, there's right. a lot at stake there. Hey, you told, you've told me some stories about in the days when <laughs> you, were, you were inventing this thing yeah. and, uh, you, you guys really were suffering financially. You just didn't have a couple of nickels to rub together. And t well, t tell us about that experience where, uh, where you're in the midst of pulling this invention together but you uh, you just didn't have any financial sure. you know, underpinnings underneath you. Well, and during and during this time, I a very significant um, uh, event occurred, and that's where I I married my second wife, Shelley, um, who who I had dated in high school when I was in New Ulm, and she was a single mom with four boys, and. Um, I had been working on this prior to being married to Shelly, but as it started getting to a point where this idea and stuff was consuming more and more of my time. Yeah. Now, mind you, I was still working for this company in Minneapolis and doing very well, six-figure income. But, but again, 
it it was the Christian upbringing that my parents instilled in me that <clears throat> you know you can't serve two masters. And um, I, I clearly remember reading the book, The Prayer of Jabez. Um, and I just said, Lord, I know this has been placed on my heart. But Lord, in order for this to work, I have to walk away from a job. And this job is paying me very well. And I just got married. And I have four stepsons. And I remember... Um, Shelly and I in the bathroom of our house, me signing my resignation letter to Banner, uh, Banner Engineering, who, who, you know, just a great company. And I said, I've got to pursue this. Little did I know that it would be eight years of struggle before um, our company was purchased by a billion dollar pharmaceutical company. But um, in in those early years, um, I've told this story a bunch. But uh, we didn't have enough money to pay utilities one month. And um, I had, I was uh, taking care of my, my disabled son, Alex, every other weekend. And Alex, because of his condition, could not eat regular food. He would have to have it pureed because he had swallowing issues and chewing issues. I didn't even have the power to turn on a stove. And I remember cooking several of his suppers on an outside grill and chopping them up fine with my filet knife from, hunt, from hunting and fishing to, to give him food. That's one story. The other story is we lost electrical power because we were late paying our bills. And there was an abandoned Methodist church next to our house. And yet um, I remember running an extension cord from our bathroom to the outside outlet on the church, which still had power, but yet it was abandoned. And we used the power from that church to power our stuff until we could uh, pay the bills. God works in mysterious ways, even providing utility power (laughs) so that you can feed your family. Well, you know, the church always has power, doesn't it, Todd? It's just sometimes we don't think about utility power. And Shelly's parents, um, Shelly's dad was a, a Methodist pastor, and um, I loved him so much. He was such an excellent man. And every month when we didn't make it, there was a check there to help us with expenses. And he just believed. He was a man of faith. Now, that being said, I also picked up ad hoc consulting gigs and, and different things, and then I got a few early investors in to believe in the idea. And by the grace of God, we got it to a point where we bootstrapped it. And um, and I made over, oh golly, 200 investor presentations before we got our first significant investment. And it came from Sydney, Australia. Wow. We didn't get one investor from the United States outside of the early investors that put in twenty five dollars or $50,000. Um, sometimes... People have a, a dream or they have something that God has put on their heart and they stop midway through because it's hard. 
it's not easy, oh. right? And I always think of this this cartoon, and I don't know if you ever seen it. It's like it's like a little um, a, a drawing where it's got a guy with like a pick, and he's going through like rock to get to like uh, diamonds or whatever, right? And the one guy on the top of the cartoon, he stops midway, like man, this is too tough. But the other guy, he goes all the way until there's like maybe an inch left, and then he turns around too. Had he just kept going that one inch, he would have hit the the desired outcome. And so for you, what, what really, I mean, I know with, with your, your children and and the the situation that we're all in, but what really is that driving force? Are you born with it? Are you just, um, is is it kind of a supernatural (laughs) thing that God just instilled in you? He's a stubborn German. (laughs) I think of the words, the words in the Bible of he who began the good work in you. And we don't know how that good work starts. I think Todd can remember even when I was 10, where I almost lost my right arm, when I went through a storm window. And I had to literally switch hands. I, 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 my, my, my right arm was so badly injured yeah. that I had to learn how to become left-handed. Yeah. And I believe, in hindsight again, that that was God crafting me mm-hmm. to, to, be, to persevere because you know, my brother, Mark, who's a, a pastor, my brother, Keith, who's a pastor, my brother, Mark worked with me and worked with me in the summer months. And, you know, and a year later, after this injury, I was starting on the basketball team shooting left-handed and Jeff's Jeff Todd's brother, we, we played basketball all the time and, and they just continued, never made fun of me, continued to encourage me and support me. But I think, Wendy, you brought up a really good point about you've heard, and I have heard because of the success I've been blessed with by grace, people come up to me and say, I've got this idea. Mm-hmm. I've got this idea. And I, I believe God's laid it on my heart. Well, God also gives you a mind to think with. And a lot of times I see a little bit of skewing over to like the divine revelation of this idea and it's going to go forward. And yet they completely ignore the business model and the justification that would make it commercially viable. And because of my marketing background, I knew that the commercial model was there as well. But again, that is a blessing from how I was raised and the career path that I was on that exposed me to those things where I could make those financial decisions and do those modelings, which did make them coupled with the idea a, val- a value proposition for an acquiring company. Mm. Yes. So that's that's one of the things I've seen over and over is that I've got this great idea. You know, I've got this great idea, and you know, and you know when. You know, again, I just it it, it was just kind of like Hollywood stuff when I was named. Um, inventor of the year and, and, and all of that. And yet you didn't have a pardon the mouth, but not a pot to pee in, you know, Oh, great. You know, <laughs> bring no attention to the guy in tuxedo. He looks great. He got this award. He has no money, you know, and, 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 and so that's, that's the irony of the entrepreneurial yeah. journey. It's so true. And if you had not had those humble beginnings, you wouldn't have known how to really appreciate it once it came through. And I mean, I, I, I do love the fact that you were just doggedly determined to keep going no matter what, in spite of all of the things that that you had been encountering for all of those years, the, um, the setbacks along with opportunities to make a lot of money and do well with a company, mm-hmm. to losing a, a marriage, to gaining a new one and stepsons, all those changes, all those transitions, uh, all of the unexpected things, and yet 
you still continued forward because you needed, uh, you knew you needed to persevere to get the outcome that you desired. So, a couple things mm-hmm. I want to I want to talk about. One is, you you did complete this invention. You received numerous yep. awards. You've been invited to speak around the world in this whole area of technology. So, when you achieve success with that invention you were bought out is that correct and in the That's process correct. Uh, we don't have to name the, the the number but it was a it, it was it was a big number yeah it was a big number in the millions and um so from from the pot that you didn't have the pee into millions, to the millions to the millions of dollars tell me about how you had what sort of adjustments you had to make oh. And how that affected you um, mentally, emotionally, spiritually? You know, those are all great um, questions. And, and in looking back, I think, I think, and, and pardon, but I've told this too, is that when you get outside money in, um, hedge funds, outside investors, there's this subtle perversion that takes place that you're not aware of. Because here you are, you know, you're like a marine grunt. You know, you're, you're going through the mud under the barbed wire and all that. And now guys have invested in your company. And now they start saying, you know, you're really smart. This is really a good idea. We can make millions. We can do all this. We want you to meet our other shareholders. There's a first-class ticket waiting for you at the airport. We'll fly you to London. Be there tomorrow. But the thing is, if that isn't done, it's done in a very subtle way to show you who really has the power. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't me. It was, we've got part of your company now and we're going to show you how much power we have. And that is done by, you know, the, the, you know, playing golf course at the Sydney country club, flying you first class, you and your wife to meet at a restaurant in London for a day to meet with all the other shareholders. And oh, by the way, they own the restaurant. It's only open when they say it's open. Mm. They put you up in hotels in Green Park, right next to Buckingham Palace, you know, at eight, $900 a night. But it's not reality that they're so impressed with you and they think you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. It's to gain an emotional advantage over you and let you know that you're really part of that. But the perversion takes place when you start believing it mm-hmm. because you've struggled so long and you want so much affirmation that your idea does have traction. And now people are paying attention and it's so quiet and so subtle that you can start believing your own lie mm-hmm. and your own false self. So, so and it's did, a strategy that they use. So did you fall into that um, Absolutely. perversion? Yeah. How can you not? You know, it's, it, you know, and thank God for my, my Christian upbringing and, you know, for my folks and for family members who love me enough to slap me alongside the head and saying, you're getting out a little over your skis here. Mm. But the trap is sometimes so quiet and so subtle. You know, and and that's like why they call Satan the great deceiver, right? Because you, you begin believing that. Mm-hmm. And and for me, you know, having massive insecurity growing up, um, uh, you know, you know, because I my my right arm looks different than my left arm, and having those type of issues, and always seeking approval, yeah, it it's it's crazy. I guess 
if I could just hark back to one of the cool things um, when, when, and I can, I can stay it now. It's been, it's been a while. So bear, bear, bear corporation out of Leverkusen, Germany, bear, the people that make bear aspirin, you know, multi-billion dollar company bought my company. When we launched this product, uh, we launched it first in Europe and bear flew Luke over first class with me. And Luke got to appear on stage with me when we launched the product. How, how old was Luke at the time? Oh, golly. Um, five when he was diagnosed, eight years, 13. I would say he was probably 16, 17, oh. because it was eight years of struggle. And then Bear took us over. And then we had to become integrated into, and this is, a, they buy an entrepreneurial company only to put it into a billion dollar monolith in Germany where, and it just like, really just tried to no, you will do it this way. This is the way we've always done it. And so it was another (laughs) two years until we even uh, had a commercial product. Mm -hmm. And uh, what it was really, it was really nice that this first invention for these kids, I think we, we sold over 75,000 of them the first year. Wow. Well, God obviously blessed and honored your commitment, your perseverance, your heart, your motivation. He also allowed the financial reward that came with all of that. He also allowed the temptations in your life to become Mm -hmm. egotistical, self-centered, all of the other Mm -hmm. things that go with any kind of great acclaim or wealth or status. And two things I heard you say, one is you had a real firm faith foundation that your parents helped build underneath you. So you had that uh-huh. place to return to. And uh-huh. secondly, I heard that when you did start to, you know, kind of get off the rails in these areas of success, that you had support around you. You had family, maybe some friends who slap knew how, around. who knew how mm-hmm. to slap you around mm-hmm. and keep you humble, so to speak, or at least aware of your beginnings and where you're at. So let's just go forward a little bit because as I've known you, you have be, you've like literally caught fire, more fire than I've seen before in your life. Over the last few years, your love for God, your dedication, your generosity mm-hmm. towards others, your your world perspective, all of that Paul has seemed to really accelerate. What happened? Why is that happening? <laughs> you know, <laughs> God chases, God chases those he loves. Um, you know, if I could just, before I get on that, on that next chapter, um, one of most of my early investors were, were faith-based men or God-based godly men. Mm -hmm. Um, my accountant and an early investor, Dwayne Peterson, um, just a solid brother in Christ. For anybody out there who who will experience this, I think a really good rule of thumb is it's almost like, and I don't mean to be perverse in this, but it's almost like a death where they say, don't do anything for a year. And I think that that same rule could apply that when you have this watershed moment, don't do anything for a year That's good words. and surround yourself with godly people. Because the temptation when you, especially, you know, I call it the lottery syndrome, right? When, 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 when you've struggled, when you've borrowed power from an abandoned church and all that, there's deprivation, right? And, you know, oh, come on, we can, we can spend a few and, you know, literally, you know, you look at 
the check that you've been given, you're going, what, you know? Mm. And, and so pause, pause, give thanks and surround yourself with godly people who can provide you godly counsel um, on, on how to wisely take that first step because it can get out of control really quickly. So fast forwarding now, Todd, um, I spent two years um, uh, with Bear um, after uh, they bought my company. So in 2010, I left. And then I started a couple other companies. And I've always tried to um, start companies and invent products that you know you can do well by doing good. You know, so build the product that benefits people first. But again, always return to can this be sustainable? Is this just a whim? Um, or can this be monetized in such a way? Because I believe that that's a stewardship issue as well. You just don't go off chasing wild dreams. You know, if God places something on your heart, there's a stewardship piece of that as well. And so, you know, the financial blessings that I've been allowed to experience, uh, been able to help set up a scholarship fund at the college in New Orleans, my father taught. Um, that's now providing um, tuition support for people who want to become teachers and pastors and talk about and train people um, about Jesus Christ. Mm. But when I got severely reconnected uh, with Todd, uh, there was another there was another valley, and that's um, when my second wife left. And um, you know how hard that was. Yes, yes, I know the pain that you went through in uh, in losing your second marriage and still yeah. recovering it it's a period of, a, it's a period of time where we grieve we grow uh and we learn and i've seen right. that lived out in your life and i know some of the circumstances surrounding it and uh and i know that you continue to remain faithful and that's the key even when you don't right. want to go through something like that you remain faithful and god honors that but he'll work it to his good. And, and, and I know that Todd, through your Bible study and the guys that you introduced me to, there've been several men that are asking why. And I think that's the hardest part when there were no answers. And that's where you have no choice, but to lean on God when he says, I am enough. You know, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And, and these are hard lessons, but if you see these lessons through the eye of faith, you will know that God has your eternal good in mind. Mm. Yeah, that is well said, and that is worth uh, us taking away. That's a that's the best takeaway yet <laughs> yeah. in our time with you. You've given us lots of great takeaways. I, I love the fact too that uh, that that you've you've lovingly warned and cautioned us. Uh, because there are, there are entrepreneurs who are tuned in, and and there are entrepreneurs to be in the making. And I, I love the advice about when success comes, you know, like don't do anything for a, a period of time. Three sixty five. Right. Yes, so that you can just pause, mm-hmm. you can take it in, you can get perspective, and surround yourself with faith filled good people, people godly mm-hmm. people to help you through it. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And then just the other thing too, Paul, the underlying theme of your life now is remaining faithful, drawing in from God his strength to get you through another day with joy and vision and hope. And we see that lived out in your life. And that's that's a huge inspiration and a model that we all need around us. Yeah. Well, and trust that God will put people in your life 
people that you don't know, people that will come alongside you. And all of a sudden, there's this connection point. And that still continues today, whether it's resurrecting old friendships uh, from, from past friends in New Ulm, um, or uh, you, you just don't know. And that's just the amazing thing about our God, is that he is big enough that he can pull anybody in to support you and to, and to, and to help you grieve. Um, my family has been incredible through this latest trial. Um, my brother-in-law, Phil, especially. Um, and I think sometimes he causes us to reflect that, um, that what we have here is temporary. And what is the big game? The big game, as you said early on, Wendy, it's all his anyway. You, you're just allowed to be a sharecropper for a while. Yeah. And what does he expect you to do with it? And at the end of the day, it's telling people about Jesus as their Savior. Yes. Because yeah. that has eternal consequences. That's it. That's yes. right. That's right. Oh, Paul, beautiful. you have given us mm. such incredible insight in your life, but you've also um, given us some incredible nuggets, some good wisdom. Uh, whether you know someone listening has millions of dollars or not, the rule still applies, and and I love that. So this this um, podcast episode applies to anyone that's listening. Uh, the the words of wisdom that you've given. But has there been uh, before we wrap up here? Has there been someone that has given you a nugget of of advice, uh, some words of wisdom that has really uh, caused you to live your life in a, in a certain way is what, what's one word that someone has told you that has made an impact in your life? Oh, you know, Todd knows my entire family and, you know, they're all godly men and women. Um, you know, I, 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 the word that came to mind, Wendy, when you were asking me that is surrender. It's mm, good. Yeah. It's surrender because, um, you know, I think sometimes we we think of God as, you know, he's my buddy, he's my friend, he's my pal, all that. And sometimes we dilute the fact that he's God Almighty. And you need to look further than the book of Job about the guy who laid out the, the universe yes. and knows the depth of the sea and put the Leviathan in, in, in the sea. Who are we? Who are we? We we are we, we are children of him. And there needs to be an awe and a respect and a wonder that he uses like he did in the Bible. David, all these Moses, all these guys who were screw-ups, <laughs> and yet the word continued, and that he can use you and me the same way. That is beautiful, Paul. Thank you. So very much. We have enjoyed having you on, and I know that you have Thanks. blessed uh, the listeners. So we appreciate mm. you. God bless you, and we'll talk. God to bless you, you both. You're All a right. good man. Love you. Take All care. Right. Love you, brother. Yeah, thank All you. Right. Take care. Happy holidays Thanks. and a godly new year. Amen. Take care. That wow. That word uh, surrender it comes is, up a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and as Paul was explaining about the bigness of God, uh, you know, the reality is he is worthy of our surrender to him. Mm -hmm. It's a matter of trust. And it's not like you can go down to, you know, pick up a 
book that says here how to are for the dummies. five <laughs> steps. <laughs> how to surrender for <laughs> dummies. You know, surrender is like it's a letting go. It's a decision. Yeah, and, and it's a it's a daily and sometimes even yeah. a moment by moment yeah. uh, decision because depending on the circumstance that you're in, right? So, Indeed, it is. Wow. And Paul has had lots and lots of opportunities to surrender and to trust God. And you know, if you could graph out his life, probably like all of our lives, you'd. You can see if you're watching on YouTube, you'd see this this graph that goes up and down and right. up and down like a roller coaster, right? We have our highs, we have our lows, and if we will keep God in the center of all of it, then we know we are able to fulfill the purpose and the plan that he has for our lives. Yeah, no, it's so good. And I think of of how he never expected to be on, you know, CNN and um, USA in USA oh, Today, and Washington Post. And yeah. I mean, I mean, he he hit the big time. And yeah. yes, millions and yes. millions. But let me tell you, we didn't get to the point of he is literally giving millions and millions mm. and millions away. He is doing such great work, and just the fact that he persevered, mm. and the the. The people with type one uh, diabetes that have benefited yes, dramatically children. because mm-hmm. of his invention and his mm-hmm. perseverance. So well, and anyway, by the way, there there and, and, and adults too. Well, there are yeah. numerous other inventions that he's working. Oh, on. right, he's, oh, he's, he's, work, he's not. He's done working yet. on one right now. They're doing some testing in in senior citizens' living complexes. Oh, yeah, this is great. Uh, just not only for healthcare monitoring, but to be able to communicate with loved ones in a really simple, easy fashion, uh, along with a bunch of other goodies that he's just in the development stages of. So. It's snowballed. Yeah, yeah so for he, sure. Here's what I love. I and mean, if you've got something nudging at you and you're just thinking, you know, I just, the reason I want to do this is because I know it will help others. Well, go do it. If that's writing a book, if that's yeah. making a phone call, just go do it. Let's keep others in mind and that will drive our passion. Yeah. And ask God to uh, connect the dots, put the people yeah. in, in play. You know, if you don't know the person, God does and he yeah. connects the dots. Exactly. So. And when you make millions, Wendy and I each have a <laughs> We do have a nonprofit, nonprofit fund Absolutely. that you can Mine's donate. for single moms and children in need. Actually, that's true. Grace in action. Mine's for me when I hit it. Oh, come on. (laughs) We appreciate you as always. Thank you for tuning in to your biggest breakthrough and we'll catch you next time. Well, that's a wrap for today's show. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, we love spending time with you right here on Your Biggest Breakthrough Podcast. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode. But until then, just head on over to yourbiggestbreakthrough.com where you'll find some free resources and information and a place where you can comment and we would love to dialogue with you there. Thanks so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time.